1: And this is me, Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and we're riding the airwaves into your ears and your brain. Little Tony Braxton, a little love music for you on this Valentine's weekend. I hope everybody had a good one and did a little something special for their hootie. Uh, I know that I did, flowers and a card, and we went and saw a movie with some friends. Oh boy, big weekend. And I guess a lot of people, they say, what is love? I think the best definition that I have heard of love is that it's when you place someone else's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well being at the same level of importance as your own. Then that's true love. And uh, I think that that's tough to do. We can't sustain that all the time, of course. And of course, we have to first take care of ourselves because if mama don't get fed, ain't nobody going to get fed. So. But, but I do like that uh, definition, and uh, I think that it, it applies across a whole host of relationships, whether it's in the workplace or at home or uh, with your children or when you're coaching a team or working with others in, in leisure activities. It's a good thing to keep other people at the same level of importance as ourselves. keeps us humble, too, by the way. A little humility never hurts. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about love later in the show, but uh, there's so much news about the coronavirus, and so I wanted to put it back into perspective. Now we have reportedly 68,500 people infected worldwide. Now, remember, I mean, that sounds like a lot, but remember there are 7 billion people on the planet. And now we have a death toll worldwide of 1,669 uh Around uh, less than two thousand, but ar- around two thousand people have died worldwide, so the death rate is two to three percent with this virus so far and the Chinese say that it is slowing down the rate of transmission is slowing down, and the majority of the cases have been in eBay province uh, Wuhan where it started, and that the number the majority of the deaths have also been there as well i don 't think we 've had any Deaths in the United States, so the infection rate uh, by percentages is less than one percent of the population of the world, so that 's zero point zero 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 one, so that 's one one thousandth of a percentage, and the death rate is one one millionth or billionth it's just infinitesimally small uh, so you're talking about a really small risk of contracting this disease and or dying from it. Now, the hazard ratio is even smaller, and we've talked about the hazard versus the odds. The hazard ratio is when you factor in all the things like, are you going to be in a situation where you're exposed? Are you going to be on a ship? Uh, Have you been to the Orient or are you in the Orient now? So there are some things going to raise your hazard ratio, like being in China, and other things that are going to take your hazard ratio to almost zero, like being in St. Petersburg, Florida, where we don't have any cases and we don't have any contacts and we don't have any ships coming back from the Orient and we don't have any direct flights from the Orient that I know of. I mean, maybe we do. Do you do you know if we have any? I don't know. I don't think so. <clears throat> so, again, uh, just simple hand washing, wear a mask if you're sick, so on and so forth. I had a patient, Canadian patient, ask me uh, if— I could test for the coronavirus because her husband has been really sick with the influenza virus. And uh, he's had a real protracted case of it. And I said, Well, why do you think he is at risk for the coronavirus? I mean, first of all, we'd have to send it to the CDC in Atlanta. And I don't know what the cost is. And they're probably not going to do it anyway because coming from a low risk area like St. Pete, Florida. Tampa Bay area, they're probably going to say, well, this is this is not worth the time and effort, <clears throat> especially when there aren't symptoms that go along with the coronavirus. And she said, well, he's been traveling on an airplane. I said, well, where did he travel to? To the Orient? She said, no, he flew down here from Newfoundland, Canada. I said, well, weren't there any Chinese people flying down from Newfoundland uh, to Florida for the winter? She said, no. I was like, well, I don't think there's any risk of contracting the coronavirus if you're not in contact with people who might have been in contact with it. And so, uh, you know, the, the uh, I think the main thing is to keep the hysteria down. I don't think that this is going to impact us, uh, at least not at this point, at, at, to any great extent. And again we don't know what's going to happen as this virus is spread from person to person will it be attenuated that is will it will it genetically alter and become weaker as often happens with viruses or will it become stronger usually weaker although occasionally we do see uh, an influenza virus that is strong Uh, usually those are the swine variety and and the big outbreaks 1918-19 again, a few years ago, and in the late 70s, we had an outbreak. In the late 40s, we had an outbreak. So that that's a, that's a bad bug, but uh, it only comes around once every 20 to 40 years. Get your flu shot. That's probably the best thing you can do. Uh, and I talked with the ID doctors at the hospital, and they all say the same thing. They're not worried about coronavirus. They're worried about the deaths from influenza virus, which are you know, pretty substantial. I mean, I think we've already had 10,000, maybe 20,000 deaths this year uh, related to the influenza virus. And with my patient that had the influenza virus and is still sick, uh, I, you know, I I said, why didn't you come in earlier? Well, he thought he could just beat it on his own. And and the wife tried to get him to come in. Uh, If you go in early with the influenza virus and you get on the Tamiflu or one of these anti-flu antibiotics, uh You stand a better chance of of having a mild case and getting over it quickly, and that's extremely important if you have chronic diseases like uh emphysema or kidney diseases or if you're older uh or at risk for uh contracting an infection h i v positive or on chemotherapy i mean these things are all uh risk factors for contracting this disease, so get in and get treated. And by the way, it's still going around. It's not gone yet. I mean, even though we're halfway through the flu season, it's it's still here. We've still got several months to go before this thing is through for the year. So get in if you're sick. Uh, within the first 48 hours, 72 hours, you're going to get some benefit from the anti-flu antibiotics like uh, Tamiflu. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, but it works Fairly well for, I'd say, 95% of the population. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get there exactly on time, but it's better to take it than not take it. Uh, You might get some benefit, even if it's more than 72 hours after you contract the disease. So stick with that idea. And uh, don't forget to cough on your neighbors so that I get some more business next week. Now, we've got this... This whole perjury thing going on with, uh, I guess it's Roger Stone, is it? And uh, we've seen this before in our political system. We've seen people who have perjured themselves before Congress or before the FBI. And by the way, you don't even have to be under oath if you lie to the FBI. If they call you in and question you and you lie to them, uh, you can be held uh for perjury. Uh, both lying and perjury to the federal government are crimes that could land you in uh, jail. And if convicted, you could be looking at up to five years in prison. So why is Stone looking at so much more time? Well, he's a character and a half, and uh, I guess he's really gone out of his way to, to <laughs> tweak the noses of a lot of people on the left and the right, although he proclaims to be uh, right wing. He started off working for uh, John Kennedy, and then after he read some literature uh, from the conservative side of the aisle, he became an ardent conservative, and I think he's somewhat of a libertarian. Now he's been convicted on seven counts, including witness tampering and lying to investigators. And he's awaiting sentencing, and of course, this has created a big brouhaha because. The four prosecutors wanted him to get eight to nine years and uh, attorney general Barr said he thought that was excessive and he was going to not make that recommendation. And it's his place to make that recommendation to the judge. Now it doesn't matter what recommendation you make to the judge, whether you're prosecution or defense, because ultimately the judge has guidelines he goes by or she goes by and it's up to their discretion. And they will look at how egregious, the actions were and what the prior history is. And Stone's been in and out of uh, trouble in courtrooms before, although he's never been convicted of anything that I know of. Uh, I may be wrong. And he's worked on the campaigns of Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Jack Kent, Bob Dole, and Donald Trump. And he has been in partnership with Paul Manafort. And uh, as you know, Manafort went to jail for tax evasion and some bank dealings and all that. Now why Manafort's being held in uh, solitary confinement, I'm not sure, but, uh, certainly Trump can pardon him. And I think that that's probably going to come after the, he wins a second term and he could pardon stone too. But then what happened is the president tweeted and weighed in on this and he, uh, was seen as putting pressure on the justice department on Attorney General Barr to go light on stone. And so now the Democrats are screaming that he's interfering and that this is an abuse of his power and that he thinks he's a king. I mean, all the presidents do this. They all weigh in, either publicly or privately, to their attorney generals on matters that are personal to them or that have uh, political ramifications. And, uh, you know, I, I have to laugh because... I watched Trump work and he's, he's like a tuna fisherman. <laughs> he just, he throws that bait out there and trolls with it. And uh, then he catches some big, big fish and he reels them in and plays with them. Uh, and it's a catch and release cause he ultimately cuts them loose and waits for the next event, the next big piece of bait to arise. Now is the president within his right to tweet and voice his feelings and his concerns and his recommendations about how Stone should be uh, treated. Well, you know, according to the Constitution, he is. Now, you're going to hear the Democrats say, well, not in recent years. That's not been the the common approach or the common law or the or the common modus operandi or whatever you want to call it for a president, which is not true. You know, they like to And I guess this is true of most politicians. They like to bend it to their to their uh, storyline. And I heard one of the Democratic pundits defending Biden's son, who is looking at some problems over his dealings with this uh, energy company in the Ukraine. And Biden having said openly that if his son wasn't treated well or hired or whatever, that The Ukrainians weren't going to get uh, the the uh, the support that the United States had promised them. And this pundit said, well, you know, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush did the same thing for George Bush. And George Bush wasn't qualified for the 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 business position that he got. Well, now, wait a minute. Back up, everybody. Hold on a second here. George W. Bush, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's an idiot or not, He actually earned his Master's of Business Administration. I think he was the first MBA to occupy the White House. That's a pretty big deal in my book. And an MBA is uh, not an easy degree to get. It takes a lot of work. There's mathematics, there's statistics, there's uh, all kinds of... uh, technical things that you have to learn in order to pass the test to get through. And he did. And he wasn't accused of cheating uh, as the Kennedy boys were. And he didn't uh, have someone else take exams for him. And, and then he went and uh, I think that he and Nolan Ryan started the, uh, the Dallas baseball team. What is it? The Texans. I think it's the Texans. Uh, or the Rangers. No, I can't remember, but it's, it's the Dallas uh, baseball team, the, uh, the uh, major league team that has won the world series. And uh, I went to one of the world series events there when they were playing and we made it to one game and I saw Nolan Ryan and I said, Hey, Nolan, we love you, baby. And he waved back and you know it was it was a big deal, but uh, it's quite a business that he built, and I think that he sold it now he and his father did show up at that uh, at that particular game at the World Series game, and I don't remember how many years ago that was uh, but the upshot of this is that george W. Bush did earn the position that he got. Now, certainly the family name helped him. I'm sure when he went to borrow money or needed some business advice or needed some support from the local community, it certainly helps to have the name Bush in Texas. <laughs> and you know, there's nothing wrong with using your name. Uh, that's part of business as you advertise yourself and you build on whatever base you already have uh, a positive base, of course. So, I think that when the democratic pundits start comparing uh Biden's son to George w Bush, they're way off base and, and I have to step in and say, "Look, you're not being honest guys and I hear a lot of this I hear a lot of this I hear people uh who is it um one of the people on Fox News he's on the five and he uh he's uh he's a uh, older black reporter, I can't remember his name right off the bat, but it'll come to me in a minute. At any rate, <clears throat> he was saying that uh, when the impeachment was going on with, with uh, Trump, he was saying that, that uh, Clinton uh, committed no crime, that there was no crime alleged. Well, yes, there was. Uh, he was convicted of perjury. And if he had been an ordinary citizen and had perjured himself before a federal judge, he probably would have gotten 12 months in jail. But being president, you can't be prosecuted. And after he was out of office, uh, there just wasn't any desire to prosecute him for that. So no, no prosecuting attorney brought any charges. Now stone on the other hand is not the president. And he's not in any office, and he's been uh, a, a consultant, uh, he's been a lobbyist, he's been uh, a, a character and a half, and he calls himself a dirty trickster. And uh, by the way, he got his his uh, first uh, elected position when he was in high school, and I thought this was kind of cute. Let me see if I can find that here. He broke into politics when John Kennedy was, uh, was, was in power. And when he was a junior in high school and vice president of a student government in uh, Northern Westchester County, New York, he manipulated the ouster of the then president of the student council and succeeded him. Stone recalled how, um, he had run for election and manipulated the situation. I think he made up some stories about uh, this guy, uh, And he had uh, done his first dirty trick. And then he went on to George Washington University, and he was invited by Jeb Magruder to speak to the Young Republicans Club because he was uh, making a lot of noise about being a conservative. And Magruder got him a job with Richard Nixon in the committee to reelect the president, and then Stone left college to work for Magruder and for the uh, campaign, and and apparently uh, Stone thinks that he is a big buddy of Nixon's. Although after Stone got into some trouble in the 1970s, Nixon distanced himself from from Stone. He got involved again with Ronald Reagan. Um, he has put out a lot of negative press. Uh, he's uh, the the henchman, the bad boy for uh, a lot of the presidents who have run on the Republican side. And uh, he has floated out uh, untruths about Democratic opponents. (laughs) And and he, uh, I mean, he's done things that I guess are what people do in politics. uh, But you don't do it yourself. You hire somebody like this guy to put out uh, bad press and to float out things that uh, are not true, like so-and-so, uh, was seen with the pedophile, so and so, and 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 these kinds of of half truths, and it's hard to re- it's hard to defend yourself against some of this. And he's made up foundations, Republicans for Choice, and uh, he's been on a number of shows. Uh, finally, they wouldn't let him on any shows anymore. And the National Enquirer reported that Stone at at one time in the 1990s had placed ad and pictures on websites and swingers publications looking for sexual partners for himself and his second wife. Uh, And Stone initially denied this and then he admitted to it. And uh, so he was seen as a pariah and people started to back away from him. Uh, He got into a conflict with Elliot Spitzer, and uh, as you know, Spitzer got into trouble. He actually uh, was uh, an advisor for Al Sharpton, a candidate in the Democratic primary in 2004. And Sharpton, defending Stone's involvement, said, I've been talking to Roger Stone for a long time. That doesn't mean he's calling the shots for me. Don't forget that Bill Clinton was doing more than talking to Dick Morris. So, it's it's a, a personality where he wants to be in the limelight, and um, he'll probably lie on both sides to say, yes, I did that when he didn't, or to say, no, I didn't do that if he did, just to create controversy. And apparently he loves to dress like a dandy. Uh, Nancy Reagan noted that he didn't wear socks, and I guess he's never worn socks, and uh, that, that raised her eyebrows because she was a very... Uh, Prim and proper woman, and he uh, even made up an anti-Hillary group with uh, a, a name that was, the initials were were not very nice, uh, and he it was called the Citizens United Not Timid, an anti-Hillary Trump group, and that was in two thousand and eight. And uh, if you look at the first letters, it spells out something not so nice. So he is a character and a half, and he's gotten a lot of people upset. Uh, He's been involved in the Libertarian Party, which has always been a little bit uh, iffy, to say the least. And he has considered running for Libertarian candidate for the governor of Florida. Uh, He has served as an advisor to Donald Trump off and on over the years and in the 2016 campaign. But he left in 2015 amid controversy. Uh, Stone claiming that he quit. Trump claiming that Stone was fired. Uh, and so the guy has, has uh, a lot of problems. But he's also done a lot, of, uh, a lot of work for a lot of people and made money doing it. Uh, I guess he's had a pretty good life. He is a character and a half. there's no doubt about that, and he's gotten a lot of people upset and, and you know you get the you get the Clintons upset and you're putting your you're putting your life in your hands or you're taking your life in your hands now he also was reported to have contact with uh the wikiLeaks leaker and uh he uh put out some bad stuff about John Podesta, which I think Finally got him into trouble, Podesta that is. But Julian Assange, who is the WikiLeaks guy, and I guess is going to prison somewhere in Europe, and we're looking for him over here. Uh, he said that he's never spoken with with Roger Stone, and Stone said that he'd never spoken with John Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks guy. Then I think he changed his story because his uh his probably his press uh, and notoriety were going down. So who knows? Well, I think that the Democrats are extremely upset with this guy. They don't like Roger Stone. He's uh, put out a lot of false information about different Democratic candidates over the year. He's uh, basically called Hillary Clinton foul names, which I'm sure a lot of people have. But, uh, you know, he did it in such a public way uh, that it's hard for her not to notice. And uh, they've probably bumped into each other at parties. So. He's probably known in all these circles and, uh, you know, these are like a bunch of kids on the playground. Uh, you, there's cliques and, and there's fights on this side and that side and between the groups. And, uh, you know, it's a microcosm of human behavior when you get into the big into the smaller political circles, it's the same thing everywhere, all the same nonsense. So I'm guessing that the Democrats want to see this guy go to jail for a long time. Well, what is the history of, of, uh, Criminality and prosecution and and imprisonment for lying under oath in the federal government, uh, especially to Congress and the federal government. Attorney General Jeff Sessions faced allegations of lying to Congress. A lot of people have. And how do you prove it? Well, when a person's prosecuted, uh, there's a lot of different regulations for perjury and for lying to the federal government. So if you knowingly and willingly make a material statement that is false or fraudulent to the feds, uh, you're guilty of a crime if you get convicted. So you don't even have to be under oath. It doesn't require that you be under oath. If you get a form that says, are you a member of the, uh, Boo party and you say no, and you are. And it's proven because you've signed up with that party. Uh, Then you've just lied to the feds on your FBI application for some kind of clearance. Now, the difficulty is that the statement be made knowingly and willingly. Well, you know, Stone's been pretty upfront about what he's done. I mean, he, he doesn't hold back. He lets you know, yeah, I made that statement or no, I didn't or uh, whatever works at that time for him. So you can assert that you did not knowingly or willingly make that. And I think that that was what, uh, general Flynn said initially, he said, well, I forgot, or I I didn't realize that that was necessary to, to, uh, to give to the, uh, to the FBI, that information. And so he got himself into trouble because I guess he backtracked over himself, uh, when questioned further and, and so frequently, people find themselves facing the threat of federal prosecution even when they don't think they've done anything wrong. And so Michael Cohen, the longtime personal attorney of the president who then turned on the president, has lied to Congress and he's been caught stepping back over himself in his statements and as you recall, he got convicted and I think he's doing some time. I don't know how long he'll do, you know, a year or two in minimum security. But I think it's it's important and relevant that that we stop and 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 consider the people that have been uh, implicated in in lying to Congress or lying to the federal government have been convicted. Uh, and we even have a baseball player, uh, Roberto or not Roberto Roger Clemens, a seven time winner of the Cy Young Award, he was a Major League Baseball player and he was indicted by a federal grand jury in 2010 uh, for perjury during his 2008 testimony before the House Oversight Committee and Government Reform Committee when he claimed that he never used performance enhancing drugs uh, such as growth hormone or steroids to advance his baseball career. He was uh, subsequently uh, acquitted of all the charges. Now, you may not remember H.R. Haldeman. He was one of Nixon's men. Uh, he was the chief of staff of the White House and uh, under Nixon in his first term, and he was convicted in 1975 of conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and perjury related to testimony he gave to the Senate Watergate Committee, and uh, he was given several years, but I think he did... Uh, 18 months at the most. So I think he was sentenced to a maximum of eight years and later reduced to four, and then he served 18 to 19 months. And Casper Weinberger uh, was another one of the people who was a former defense secretary and indicted on felony charges in 1992 for lying to Congress about his role in the Iran-Contra scandal during the Reagan administration. You may not remember Casper Weinberger, but he was Secretary of Defense, and the Iran Contra scandal uh, was when we were shunting money to the Iranians to fight the Iraqis in their war during the 1980s, uh, and the money was since there was a ban on provided by Congress of providing money directly to the Iranians, uh, the money was being uh, made by selling arms to the militia rebels in Nicaragua. So uh, Reagan uh, never was indicted or even uh, suspicious. Suspicious. Uh, there was no suspicion of him being uh, directly involved in it. But Weinberger uh, was uh, uh, called up on this, and he ended up having to stand trial. Uh, but before that occurred uh, George H W Bush Bush 1 granted him and five other advisors involved in the scandal full pardons so you can see that it's it's rare that anybody does any m- major time for uh, this this kind of crime but you know they'd like to make a point and, and if they can get 6 to 8 years from a judge, even though it's reduced to 18 months or 12 months or, or President Trump pardons him completely, uh, at least it'll be on the record, and the Democrats seem to think that'll help them with the election. I don't think so. Well, I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe, and when I come back, we'll pick up on another topic, and I'll let you know when I get back. And if you want to join me, I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877 969 8600. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio M.D.
2: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves has declared a state of emergency amidst fears the Pearl River at Jackson will reach its highest level in decades. Forecasters believe the river will crest at 38 feet sometime today. Parts of Jackson and suburban Ridgeland under evacuation orders, some people have already left. President Trump mixing reelection business with pleasure during a weekend stop at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. They're still counting the money, but they say as much as $10 million may have been raised by the rally yesterday, and the dare for both him and the Republican National Committee might be the biggest fundraiser ever. U.S. and Iraqi officials say at least four rockets hit near the sprawling U.S. Embassy in Baghdad and an Iraqi base hosting American troops inside the Green Zone. No casualties have been reported in this
1: attack. This is SRN News. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674.
3: Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe reduce a large portion of your debt now call national debt relief at 800-797-5868 800-797-5868 that's 800-797-5868 take am 860 the answer with you wherever you go with our mobile app the answer Tampa.com. alexa tune
0: in iheart and at radio.com Larry Elder believes the impeachment is just one piece of the puzzle.
3: The House is threatening to call additional witnesses if the Senate doesn't. What did I tell you? This is never going
0: to stop. The relentless negative coverage. The Larry Elder Show. Weeknights at 6 on AM 860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, partial sunshine, high 81. Then becoming cloudy tonight with a low 67. Tomorrow, a blend of sun and clouds for Washington's birthday. We'll have a Monday high 80, mostly cloudy at night, low again 67. Partial sunshine for Tuesday, high 84. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer.
1: And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600 if you want to weigh in on anything I've talked about this morning. And uh, we're doing a little uh, a little bit of a Valentine's Day special with uh, Tony Braxton, a love song. And I wanted to read you one of my favorite poems. It's pretty simple. It's not not real flowery, but <clears throat> I like it. It's called A Drinking Song by William Butler Yeats. Now, Yeats was an Irish poet at the turn of the last century, and and, uh, uh, and he lived into the – I think he was in the 1940s when he died. I can't remember exactly when. So it's been, you know, maybe 100 years ago. And uh, I, I always enjoyed his poetry. I was an English major. He was an interesting character too, and he was a nationalist. He was one of these pro-Ireland guys. And he wrote a lot of poems about the Irish rebellion in the uh, early half of the twentieth century against the English. <clears throat> but he remains one of the uh, one of the stellar poets of the twentieth century. So let me read this to you, and you can decide whether or not you like it. Wine comes in at the mouth, and love comes in at the eye. That's all we shall know for truth. Before we grow old and die, I lift the glass to my lips. I look at you and I sigh. Short but sweet. What do you think? You like that?
0: I'm in tears here, Doc. You are not, you big, fat liar. (laughs) (laughs) I got a hanky in my hand. I'm sobbing. It was so beautiful. (laughs) Is i thought it thing. was a
1: nice poem i mean that's something you, if you memorize that and uh, when you go out with your wife for uh, her birthday or something or or you do that at on valentine's day i guarantee you uh, things will be really
0: good when you get home yeah you, <laughs> you should have told me last week so you know yeah I, <laughs> I gotta wait a year now
1: heads up here i'm telling you so uh, i th- i think that uh that this is a great time to talk about love. And what is it? You know, it, it, it's, it's an emotion. It's, it's a, I tell people when they, especially when I have couples and they're they're wondering what their role is in the relationship and in their, the health of, of each other there. And you got to be careful because, Spouses like to direct each other, you know, and so you you have to kind of disentangle that and help them understand that love is is a verb. It's not a noun. Well, I mean, it is a noun and it's it's also a verb. It's a feeling. But, you know, love and lust can get inter intertwined fairly easily. Uh, and a, And they should be to a certain extent, because that's how you get together and make more little little humanoids. And even though there's a, a, a constant war between the sexes, it's the only war where you have, you have to call a truce every night, otherwise you're not going to have soldiers to fight the, the, next, the future battles. So it's one of those strange wars where you call a truce every night. But I think that if you look at love as a verb, then it becomes an action. Now, the noun part of it is what attracts us to each other or attracts us to something that we enjoy. Or something that you know, I really loved watching NFL football. And and so that's an emotional response. The intellectual side of it is that I like to try to figure out what the teams are gonna do. So then that love becomes a verb because I put it into action, I put it into working and to discussing it with people, and that that love of the game attracts other people to it. And that's you know, that's we want our cause to, to be heard and to be followed, of course. So I think that that's, uh, that's part of it. But if you look at love as a verb, as an action, then when you go in to the doctor with your spouse or your significant other or your child or whatever, uh, you, you, it's it's tough not to want to give directives to the person who is the patient. But rather than try to control and 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 run somebody else's life i think it's it this is this is where the verb part of love comes in it it requires restraint and acceptance and understanding and to have people sit and listen to what i'm saying and try to learn from uh, the ways in which i counsel people about their health uh and about how to take care of themselves or what they need to do it's not easy. It's not easy. But this is what the verb love is. It is learning to put into action in a positive way uh, those feelings that you have for someone or something and to make a positive impact on that other person as as well as to make yourself feel better because you know if you can if you can be uh, objective, non-accusatory uh, uh, speak in the first person, keep from pointing fingers and saying, well, if you'd come in earlier, you wouldn't be this sick, you know, I mean, it's, it's always unproductive to be accusatory in, in the setting of, of, of a sick patient. You know, you don't want to, I mean, I'll, I'll ask people, why didn't you come in earlier? But that's not to say, oh, you're a bad boy or I'll, in a teasing way, I'll say, Something, you know, like, well, if you'd come in earlier, you wouldn't be dead now. And, uh, you know, they're obviously not dead because they're still sitting there talking to me. But, I mean, they get me upset. We can take care of that, too. Uh, So I think that you have to show a lot of reserve when you go into a relationship, uh, whatever it is. And especially when you come to the doctor's office. Otherwise, you're just going to pick a fight with your spouse and so many of my patients are older, you know, the spouse will be sitting there. And I said, is he like this at home or is she like this all the time? And they say, Oh yeah. And I said, what do you say? So I've learned over the years not to say anything. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. You know, I think that, that you can say, look, I think you need to go to the doctor because you're, you're sick and you're, you're not getting any better. And it's, you know, it's, it's been a week and you're still hacking up, uh, blood or whatever, and, and it's not a good situation, and I want you to go and get some help. But then you don't say, well, you know, you're an idiot if you don't go. And uh, when you get to the doctor's office, the spouse, the significant other, the parent, shouldn't say, well, I told him, or I told her, or I said so. I mean, that that's accusatory. Or when you start using the you word, you, you this, you that you know, that's accusatory. You can say, look, I was worried. Now that's not accusatory. And that's first person. I, uh, I'm, I'm concerned about my, my, my husband's health. I'm concerned about my wife's well Uh, I'm concerned about the, the fever. I'm concerned about drinking too much. I'm concerned about whatever. Uh, I don't know what to do. I, uh, I've asked him, her to, go to the doctor to seek some help, and, and they're reluctant, and, and I don't know why. And these kinds of things are open-ended. They're non-accusatory, and and when you say something like, I don't know why, and then you stop and wait and listen, oftentimes you'll get a response from, from your partner, from your child. I don't understand. Uh, and that's not always because there are just some people that are very uh, – a turn. They don't like to speak or talk. They'd they, they like to hold their cards close to their chest, or they really don't have a whole lot of depth of feeling about a lot of things. Uh, you know, they're just very withdrawn, uh, whatever. And so, but most people are going to respond. If you throw an open-ended question out there and you wait, most of the time you're going to get an answer. So, you know, you go home and uh, you, your your spouse gets home from work and you see each other and hug and a kiss and you say, hey, how was your day? And if you just sit quietly, you'll probably hear some. And if you don't like what you hear, well, then don't ask the question in the future. But if you did ask the question, then sit and quietly listen. And if, you know, my wife is always telling me how tired she is and how hard she worked and all that. And and, and that's okay. And I just, you know, I just accept it and say, oh, you're right. Now, listen, remember, I work with her every day, so I see how much she does and doesn't do. And there are days when she really does work hard, and, but there are days when she doesn't work as hard as she thinks she does. That's all of us. But still, I give her the opportunity to voice her feelings about that And that keeps the relationship open. Now, if I try to close it down and say, well, you didn't look like you were working that hard to me today. Well, that's going to end the conversation right there. And the same thing when you go to the doctor. Well, if you had listened to me when I told you last week to come in, you wouldn't be in this mess now. Well, the first thing the other person's going to think is, well, how the hell does that help me now? What does that do for me now? Nothing. It just gets you upset. I mean, there are some people that can accept criticism, uh, but a lot of us, uh, we will uh, bristle at that and we'll say, well, I'm sick and here you are criticizing me. I didn't know how sick I was, or I didn't understand what you meant, or I didn't know that you thought I was that bad off, or you're always hitting the panic button even when I'm not that sick. And so there's a number of reasons that people can throw into the equation of why their other half is accusing them of not behaving appropriately when it comes to their health or to any number of, of behavioral aspects of life uh, but uh, i think that if if you try to keep it in the first person and you try to be non accusatory and you just say look i'm i'm just concerned and i'm trying to uh, keep you healthy and and do what I can as your spouse. This is what spouses are supposed to do. They're supposed to care for each other. And, you know, you use words like this and and, and talk in this way, and it's not easy to do. you got to train yourself over time to do this. Then uh, you'll have a better relationship, and you'll be able to get your partner in to the doctor earlier and get them some help when they're sick. And this one guy that I've been talking about, who had the influenza, he waited a couple of weeks, and of course it was too late to to have the uh, anti-flu medication work for him. The uh, Tamiflu, there's another brand or two out now, uh, and these will kill just the influenza virus or stop them from reproducing. And you don't really kill viruses because they're not they're not alive as we would think of a living organism. They they uh, they only have genetic material, which they inject into the cell of a living organism. And uh, then they use that cell's uh, genetic uh, templates, its DNA and its RNA to reproduce their own uh, their own little viral babies, if you will. But they don't really, you know, they're, it's not like you can go in there and, and stomp them out with your with your little ice pick your little microscopic ice pick uh, some viruses of course are seen as foreign by the body and they are uh, attacked by our immune system and antibodies are attached to them and then white blood cells come along the garbage men come along and scarf them up and eat them and uh, carry them uh, carry the debris out so to speak so but uh, it's 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 important to Develop good communication skills with the person you say you love to put that emotion of love into uh, an action, a, a verb, and uh, nouns are generally not actions. They're, they're things like, you know, a rock is a, is, a, is a noun, rock, boy, food, those are all nouns. Now, eating is a verb because that's an act. You're, you know, to eat. You don't to food, you don't to rock, you don't to carpet, you vacuum the carpet. So you have a verb attached to the noun, you know, your basic sentence structure. We all know that. And so the verb of love, the action of love is learning how to communicate with each other in a positive and productive way. And that has to be non accusatory. it has to be uh and this is this is hard for a lot of people to do. I know you know spouses want to direct their 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 partners their their opposite. I know my wife wants to direct me I know I want to direct her, but I know better. I'm afraid I'll get hit or kicked. You know that little girl can still kick me in the face. Can you believe that? Ken, I'm, I'm telling you, this woman can kick me in the face. Oh, really? No kidding? am No kidding. She, you know, she was, took taekwondo. I was going to say, yeah. And then she, uh, uh, tai chi, and now she's doing kickboxing, and uh, she can. She is so limber. She can. She's five feet tall, and I'm five ten, and she can get her foot up and smack me in the face with it. And so I have to be careful. I like you know, you you know. watch yourself around the house. Yeah, man. you. You cannot micromanage a kickboxer. <laughs> <laughs> Not for very long, no. <laughs> that won't work. You're gonna lose an appendage or two. <laughs> so so what did you do for Valentine's Day with your wife? Oh we had That's a very important
0: we had a very quiet one. We uh we, I, every year she gets the, the you know the flowers, the candy and everything like that and a nice card and we used to go out and fight the crowds at the restaurants. We just don't do that anymore. It's just we just stay home and nice made a nice little dinner and just have a nice nice little evening it was very yeah, very pleasant yeah, yeah yeah we went to some friends house
1: and uh had dinner and uh i bought a chantilly cake at publix which was a really good cake it's got all this fresh fruit in it layered and everything and uh, and so it was tasty and they had some wonderful food for us uh leek soup and uh French cheese and crackers and steak and I don't eat the steak. That's that's what the wife eats. She's a carnivore, uh, so I also have to be careful because she'll not only kick me and beat me up, then she'll carve me up and eat me. Wow, Doc, you got. She's she's you know those Korean women are right. don't 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 confuse them with the Japanese women. They're not the same. But uh, then we watched that movie Parasite, which is the Korean movie that won the uh, academy award
0: yeah nothing says love like Parasite. so
1: nothing <laughs> says love like you know they really know how to attach themselves to you and... yes
0: they do <laughs> <laughs> you got about three and a half minutes slack wrap it up buddy um, okay well should I put a bow on it or what now just uh take your time I guess I'm just giving you a little heads up there we're coming up on the well, end well you make sure you give me the
1: two minute one minute 30 15 second uh we'll count you ca- down count down homeboy okay Folks, I'm having trouble with my producer. And I'm going to have to go down to the station and whip his butt one of these days. Well, because he doesn't follow my directions.
3: But I I'll try. Him
1: anyway, I try, buddy. He tries. He's trying. <laughs> and I don't want to be accusatory in our love relationship.
0: Hey, I don't want to get kicked <laughs> in the face from your wife, so don't start talking like that.
1: Or by you. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody. Uh, I want you to think about perjury and the big to-do over Stone, who probably deserves to go to jail for something, uh, whether it's this, I don't know, or not. And, but for eight years for uh, lying to Congress, I don't think so. By the way, why is Congress in the position to call anybody they want up before them and question them, like uh, a baseball player and whether or not they've been on steroids? I mean, I I, I realize these are big Societal emotional issues, and everybody wants the game to be fair and all that. But what the heck is Congress doing in the middle of all of this? Uh, he, they insinuate themselves into everything. I guess that's partly the nature of uh, a democratic government, you know, especially the House, which is more directly attached to the people uh, since it's a, a population based. Vote that puts a congressman in the seat in the House. The Senate is state by state. So I think that that's probably, although I don't think it's all that appropriate, it's probably expected and usual in what uh, an elected representative body does is they stick their nose into everything, especially if there's a lot of public interest and concern over it. And uh, then it can certainly can be open to abuse, as we have seen with the uh, with the attempt to oust the president using the impeachment process. And although impeachment is forever, as Trump said, acquittal is forever, too. But they're going to come back again, don't you know? And I don't think there's any love there. I don't even think there's an attempt at love between the House Democrats and the president at this point. That's too bad because they could accomplish a lot of things like get, get some uh, relief for healthcare and for drug pricing and so on and so forth. We'll see what happens. Uh, it looks like the Democrats are gonna work very hard to ensure that Trump is reelected, by the way. And uh, Roger Stone, by the way, Trump has distanced himself from Stone, fired him in 2015. So I don't think there'll be any blowback, uh, even though the president's weighing in on the sentencing. And I think it's his right. Should he do it? Probably not. He's just going to get the pot stirred up. He could have called Attorney General Barnes, told his opinions about it. At any rate, it's the end of the show. Love you guys, and I thank you for having me. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I'll see you next week. And I'm out of here.
2: Hello, hello.